everyone, my name is Carol. I have been traveling around the world in the last few years. Been to almost 100 countries so far. While COVID-19 accelerated the digitization process, face-to-face -face interactions became rare events. Contrary to the majority, I still have the privilege of traveling and living on the relaxed side of the world. While back home in Asia, many citizens are unable to leave their homes or countries. I thought, why not turn this valuable luxury of mobility into something interesting? As a media professional with more than seven years of experience and Charter Financial Analyst Program Level 3 candidate, combining my interest in startup ecosystem, I decided to create Venture Chats, an audio and video interview series in which I meet up with entrepreneurs, startup founders, and occasionally venture investors around the world. My first guest is Alejandro Carbonell, the founder and former CEO of Tutores Panama. First of all, thank you so much for accepting my interview, uh, Alejandro. Every entrepreneur would have a founding story. What is your story? We started back in 2014. Mm -hmm. Years before, I, I started industrial engineering. And while I was studying, I couldn't work because the schedules were too tight. So what I did was did tutoring mm. for my peers, for uh, st uh, school students, maybe like the the children of my, of my mom's friends. And that really helped me because I could practice my math, mm -hmm. physics, and I could also get an extra income. And I was obviously helping the, these students get better. No? Flash forward, I finished my university, very good. I practiced everything. I stopped doing tutoring. That was, let's say, back in 2008, more or less. And then I started working. I worked mm -hmm. at a multinational company. I worked at a national company. And then I decided to go to study my MBA in Spain. Mm -hmm. And while I was in Spain, that was like the tipping point. I said, like, I could continue like the corporate ladder and continue in, in international companies, or I could start a business. And I decided there in Spain that I would do uh, like a specialization in entrepreneurship. And I said, you know what, I'm going to try to start something when I go back to Panama. While I was in Spain, I still received phone calls, emails, messages from my mom's friends mm -hmm. if I could do tutoring to their children. Proof that there was a problem, a problem in the education of these People students. Had this need. Exactly. I realized like the, the, it was a big pain. So I started like investigating and I realized that we could solve two problems with the same solution, like two, two, two birds with the same rock. Like we could help students get better, mm -hmm. get better grades, understand, but also we, can, we could help university students get an extra income because I was there, I knew how difficult it was. So we decided to create Tutores or Tutorisi that by then when we started was a place where we connected a students with their ideal tutor. That's how it, it all started. Back then, did you feel like there was some issue with this education system that you think your solution can come in and help? For sure. Back then, and, and how it is more or less right now, our solution is solving a problem that is a byproduct of our educational system. Mm -hmm. What happens is in a, in, a, in a school classroom, you get 30 people, 40, 40 students, 35 students, and you teach them in the same way. Mm -hmm. You treat them in the same way. Mm -hmm. 
and that's part of the problem. No? You get people that are better, better at uh, visual learning, there are people that are more like slower than others, uh, different types of personalities, mm -hmm. and they're all taught by the same way. Mm -hmm. And obviously, people get, get behind, so that's a problem that is a byproduct of the flawed educational system. So we created this uh, platform where students could find a tutor that could help them learn and get up to speed. However, during the years, we realized that we were so we, we could do much more than that. And we realized that we were not in the tutoring sector. We realized that we were, and we needed to, to grow more in the personalized learning sector. Back in 2019, we created, uh, us with, a, with a psychologist, we created a test that students could take and tutors could take to check what type of learning skills, mm -hmm. what type of learning uh, types they were, mm -hmm. uh, their executive functions, if they were more uh, like shy, if they were more active, and as well with the tutor. And we tried to do like this, this matching process. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the beginning of mm -hmm. our vision that is to become, uh, to become a big player in the personalized education. Because we started with schools, mm -hmm. we started with university students, but actually you could learn anything. When you learned that there's a market, there are needs for this kind of product, how did you come up with any business model? How do you think about where you're going to get the revenue for this type of uh, services you provide? Well, when we started back in 2014, uh, we just came from our, our masters in, in Barcelona. There was a big like boom in, you know, these platforms that connected people, uh, this collaborative movement and we said like hey let's let's jump on that we don't need to hire the tutors tutors can be anyone and then they just work whenever they can and they just have a, like a it's like tool. a crowdsourcing exactly mm -hmm. so we decided back then like crowdsourcing would be the way and the easiest way for us would be to get a percentage of mm -hmm. whatever uh you know match that that happened because of us no do you charge from the tutors or charge from students and the parents that's a good question so we we at the beginning we were focusing only on the students mm. uh charging the students the parents actually our 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 users the student but our clients are the parents so mm -hmm. it's very important to understand that because your marketing mm -hmm. is different mm -hmm. when when you know who's who's the one that is going to pay no so anyway we decided to charge the parent mm -hmm. and then out of the money that the parent is paying, our, our method is, we're like an escrow. So people, the parent pays when they, when they find a match. The parent pays, we get the money. The, the tutor goes to the house, the tutor do it online, what, however the method is. Once the tutoring is done, we pay the tutor, tutor and we get a commission fee out of that. So there's no direct payment to the tutors from the parents? Not supposed to, obviously. Uh, and I, I would say more like in Latin American culture, maybe you get some people that want to go around. That has been that has been one of the main problems that we always wanted to to tackle. And we had uh, different mentors throughout the throughout the years that were questioning this. And since the beginning, we decided it was too difficult and it was too time consuming to try to put barriers because people always climb those barriers uh, in order for people not to go around. For example, we had a, we have a a chat inside of the platform mm -hmm. and if someone put their phone numbers then the the chat will not show their phone block number it. block it but then people understood and then they will write like seven six one so 
It's similar to what we do with booking an Airbnb sometimes. The problem is with booking an Airbnb, you, you probably only you're gonna use it once. Mm. So it's like, maybe I don't, I don't risk it. But with tutors, maybe you're gonna have more than one session. So that might be parents or tutors that wanna go around. So what we decided is, you know what? Instead of putting barriers, we're gonna give them incentives. We're gonna make them part of the, of the, of the company. We did tutors awards every year. We give them trainings to the tutors. And we are very, very careful on who gets approved in the platform. So to anyone, provide extra value to exactly. make them feel like it's worth paying you the commission. Exactly. And at the end of the day, it's not like paying a commission because they can put the price, whatever price they want. Mm -hmm. So if they want to earn $20 and we charge 20% or whatever, then they can just charge 25, you know? So it's, it, they, we don't decide the. Price. It's like a percentage of the percentage of the spending of the parents, or it's like a flat fee. It is a percentage. At the beginning, we started with a flat fee. We charged like five dollars, mm -hmm. and then we said like it's not fair because some tutors are charging twenty, twenty-five. Some tutors are charging fifteen. So the pricing it it's depending on the tutor. They decide the price. They decide the price mm -hmm. exactly, and they can change it whenever they want. What's your estimated addressable market in Panama for this? Well, it, it is complicated because, as I said, we have shifted to a more uh, learning in general. So it's very difficult to 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 understand like how much it is. But let's let's focus on the normal tutoring, like school tutoring. Panama is a small country. Four million plus people in total. Exactly. So. Out of those, only 800,000 are in school, mm. more or less, 850,000. But our main students that are coming always are high school students, mm. like after, I don't know, maybe seventh grade mm. to, to 12th grade. But, but we have had students like in preschool, you know, people that need a tutor that is with their children, with their child, like helping them. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, it's, it's complicated, but in our, in our niche market also, not, not everyone can pay $20, $15 for, for a tutoring session. Mm -hmm. So out of the 850,000, one third only is in private schools. So out of those, not all of them are going to need, for, need a tutor, no? Do you have like a pricing scale uh, according to you know, your consumer's income and according to maybe the region, because Panama City maybe they can afford to pay more, but people from rural area, maybe they cannot afford so much. It's all uh, demand and offer. Panama City, like, obviously the tutors will know and will charge a little bit more. Mm. And if you go to interior, the same tutors will, will charge less because they know like the market, it charges less. We don't charge more than the regular tutor that you can find anywhere. It's the same. So there's a natural pricing ladder from the tutor perspective. They already know how to. Actually, that happened during the pandemic. During the pandemic, many schools closed and the tutors were like, well, we need to, to do some tutoring because that's my income, source of income. So they decided to lower the price. People that were charging like $20, maybe they were charging like 10, nine uh, for online tutoring. Were there any incidents where the parents, students were not happy about the session and then they didn't want to pay? Were there any incidents like that? Yeah, yeah, it had, everything had happened. Every time someone leaves a comment, uh, a re it's mandatory, first of all. You have to put stars if you want to make another reservation. You don't need to comment, but you have to put the stars. If you get three or less stars, we contact the parent. Sometimes it's, I put three stars, two stars, one star, because my child, my daughter, my son failed the exam. We're like, we cannot control that. Yes. We cannot control that you failed the exam. We have had moments like, I put two stars 
the class was very good, my child understand, but the lady came with pink hair, true story. We're like, we're not gonna like put these two stars in the, in the, in the profile of this. Just, because, just of because of pink hair. hair. So we talk to the, the client, we tell them this is not correct. We are not gonna put it, but that's your opinion, that's cool. But it, ha it has happened. Obviously we, don't, we have also had some uh, situations, like bad situations. My son didn't understand anything, the tutor was very bad. And we're like, okay, it's valid, put your one star. But that same tutor that got one star with that has hundreds of sessions with five stars with other. So that's why we're very emphatic that we're about personalized education mm. and personal learning. Since you realize that the Panama itself is a quite a small market, probably this market is probably not enough for you to uh, profit from this business perspective. So what is your strategy to scale up to further growth? We, we, when we started, obviously we realized this since the beginning and we said our next uh, phase will be to get to certain amount of tutoring hours, certain amount of expertise to be able to raise money and then uh, expand. But then we understood, and, and you can see any company that is crowdsourcing like, like us, uh, for example Uber, it's very expensive to move your operations or to open operations in other countries. Airbnb and stuff, they don't care. They just like open in San Francisco and then if you want, because that's a one-time thing, you know, booking, one-time thing. But regular things, you need like a whole team. So he said like, it's going to be very expensive to open an operation in other country. So let's, let's do it differently. 2018, like November, we started like discussions with a possible investor and we received an investment in 2019. It took like six months to get small investment. We got like $55,000 because the idea was to try the expansion model. Back then, our idea was what if, and you asked that in the beginning, what if we don't charge the client, but we charge the tutor a small amount of fee, like a, like a Netflix for tutors. So you want to be there, you want to be featured there where you can make hundreds of dollars. Pay us $15, pay us $9. You want us to check if you are uh, good at math, then we put you uh, an exam, you pay $9 more. So it was like a different business model. And we received the money and we started like opening in one country. We we'd also tested, because this is the important thing about entrepreneurship, you have to test. You have to test fast, you have yes. to understand if it works. It's always trial it's always and trial. error. You don't know, you always hear the stories of Airbnb and Uber, but there's millions of other startups that tried and, and didn't work. So anyway, we, we tested with, with a country manager in place. Uh, we opened in, in Guatemala like that. We talked to someone, they're like, okay, you can get a percentage of the, of the, of the sales. We talked to someone in Peru. We opened uh, without country manager, like what if we could do it like from, from Panama? So first stage was let's, let's get tutors. And we started doing campaigns to tutors. It was, it was awesome. To get a tutor, it was so, Unexpensive, so cheap. Uh, in some places, it just costs like 23 cents to get a tutor registered in our platform. We're How did you get the tutors? Through the Google yeah. ads, Facebook ads? Instagram, more, more of Instagram and Facebook uh, ads. And you need to understand like how to talk to people. And it's very difficult in terms of uh, language that you need to know uh, because Latin America, we speak Spanish, but we speak different Spanish, like different words. Mm -hmm. Uh, so anyway, it was, it was very cheap to get these tutors, some 23 cents, 40 cents for, for a tutor. So we, we end up getting like 4,000, 5,000 tutors registered of, I think it was like six, seven countries back, back then. And we're like, oh, this is perfect. 
but it was a lot of work, you know? So mm. once we got all these tutors, then we were like, okay, let's try and get them to pay the subscription. So what did you tell them? You tell them you're going to charge them a percentage once they realize the sales on your no, platform. That, what that, did you tell them? We were test testing the new business model because, and this is important, if we wanted to charge, them, charge the client in the country and give them a percentage, take into account that it's six different countries, six different, uh, you know, uh, monedas, you know, coins, like if one is uh, quetzales, one is dollars, one is pesos, Colombian pesos. You are pesos. testing this in six countries, mm -hmm. Panama, Guatemala, and what are the others? Panama, Guatemala, Peru, we were in Chile, we opened in Chile, in Argentina, in Dominican Republic, and we also tested in, in Trinidad and Tobago, seven by, by that time. Uh, they are all Spanish-speaking countries. All, well, Trinidad was in English, we were testing in English. Right. But the problem was that we couldn't do the business model like we did in Panama, because in order for us to charge someone, it's easy to charge someone internationally. You know, you pay by card and it's okay. But then when you want to pay the tutor, you need to have an account in that country or else it will be an international wire transfer. And for $10, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. So we decided to change the business model and then we were going to not charge the client, we were going to charge the tutor to be in the platform, yeah. and then the client pays directly to the tutor. So it's like we were going to be the Netflix for you to show off. Was it like a monthly fee they have like to pay or one, one off? Okay. It didn't work. It didn't work. It didn't work <laughs> at all. Why? Because these people were not, were not living out of doing tutorings. Mm -hmm. They were just doing tutorings like, hey, I want to do 10 tutorings a week or maybe 15 tutors a month, so I don't, I don't really care, I don't want to pay. If I get a tutoring job, that's cool. If I don't get it, that's okay. And also, they were not willing to pay unless they get clients first. So we, we said, okay, let's try with one country, let's put money so we can get clients. And they got clients, and they got tutorings going on, and still they didn't pay. We realized that the business model doesn't work if you're charging the tutor because they don't have the real necessity of paying. This is like, a, like an extra income for them. Mm. Whilst the client, the parent or the student, they really need the tutoring class. You were considering those international markets, the five or six. So how did you make your decision to choose which market to enter? That was a testing. So we was, it was supposed to be like that. We decided to test different things. So we decided to test a Guatemala, which is more or less like Panama mm -hmm. in terms of uh, culture, like Central America. Colombia, our neighbor, big country, but there, the Colombian peso, it's very devaluated versus Panama. So a tutoring hour in Panama for, for ten, so $20, maybe cost like $8 there. So we were testing the, the market. Then we said like, okay, let's go to Chile, high buying power, uh, more or less like Panama. Let's do Argentina, low buying power, but a lot of people. So we, tr we tested that and then our country manager in Guatemala, he said like, hey, I, I have uh, friends in Dominican Republic, let's open Dominican Republic. Uh, they're like Panama in, te in terms of size, in terms of culture. So we tested all these different markets. And at the end of the day, it, it is, they're different markets, but the culture was the same in terms of, I am not willing to pay unless I get the, the, the clients. Today, which international markets are you still, do you still have presence? March 2000, 2020 in Panama, boom, pandemic hit, everything had to close. Our main source of income was Panama. Panama was 
subsidizing the, the, the other uh, countries. Obviously also the investment, but the investment was, was over. It was all like very good or bad timing, you know? And then we decided, you know what? We're not making money there. Let's just close these countries. And in 2020, we decided to do another approach. We realized that, you know what? The way to go is with the business model that works in Panama. If we could replicate this in a bigger country, exactly the same, we know it will work. So we decided to open to the idea of franchising the operation because we, that's, that's more or less by the time we realized that we, wouldn't, we didn't want it to be, and we wanted it to be something bigger than just a tutoring platform. We wanted it to be in uh, personalized education. So we said, what if we could get this part of the business, the tutoring part, to get people in different countries to run that, and we, will, we can make more of the uh, technology part and, and create more solutions to the real problem, which is personalized education. 2020, we started with the conversations, nothing happened in 2021, and it was a very bad year in Panama, like schools closed, sales, yeah, we had to lay off everyone, like we cannot work with you, like almost like zero. But we said we need to survive because this is going to, this is going to happen, you know, this is going to move forward, so we need to survive this. So 2020, more or less, like everything died, but it was like the rebirth, because in 2021, we started the conversations, and now we have one franchisee in Peru. So okay. it's working the same as Panama. They just started in, in, in November. So they just started and this is vacation time. Uh, but we have like really good expectations on Peru. Peru is a bigger country. Uh, they have people there. They are paying for, for this franchise. So, it's, uh, so they have skin in the game, you know. Uh, I'm sure they're gonna make it. They, 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 the founders there, they are involved in education, so we trust them like they are into the right thing. They're not just for the money, they're because they want the education to get better. So yeah, we had to people that way, and now we want to do this, uh, you know, special like franchises or uh, more or less like satellites in different countries, but have actually a team that can, that can work there. So this franchise, where do you get your income from? We charge uh, a percentage, a fee for all the sales like a yearly fee as well mm -hmm. uh, for the setup or the technical setup. And we charge a flat fee also just for like servers and stuff like that. So we do all the, the trainings, all the obviously all the, the package thing mm -hmm. and the support, technical support for the team in the country. What are the challenges and what are the opportunities that are presented by this pandemic to, to tourists? So definitely the, the main challenge was our target were students at school and school closed like there was a period of time where there was like no class at all and then they opened class online that was like a half to any 20 but you know and you realize like schools were more flexible with students and they were like yeah you are here in panama it's like one to five you know with five is an excellent and one is, is fail three three is failure actually and they were like okay you're failing but since you're making like an effort and this is your first time doing online school, we're gonna pass you. And everyone was passing, so parents were like, okay, maybe I don't need a tutor because they're passing. But that's just a problem for the future. So opportunity is once schools get more tight, which is this year, when they're mm -hmm. finally going in person, last year was full online, then uh, uh, teachers will say, yeah, I don't buy that, we're here, why do you, you don't know how to do this math? 
Why do you know how to do this in English or in Spanish or in French? And they're going to be tough. And that's where you're going to get a lot of students that would need our help again. However, as I said at the beginning, that's just a byproduct of the issues in the educational system. We're here to solve this problem, uh, but it's like a firefighter. You know, it's, they were not uh, taught the right way in 2020, 2021. We have to fix that however we can. But that's not our goal. Our goal is they could learn, not just get better grades, but actually learn whatever they want. So at the end of the day, it's not about in person or online for me, it's about personalization. Who do you perceive are your major competitors in the market? Do you have any? When we started this tutoring market, no? Now uh, we see us in a different category, but let's focus on tutoring market for now. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a very fragmented market. Uh, in Panama, for example, you don't have anyone that is like dominating. It's very difficult to know if someone is making more hours or more money than other. There are like after schools, uh, you know, like a place where, you, where your sh uh, child goes and studies. So this will be like the more formal ones. And also maybe the, you know, the, the normal tutors that are like independent tutors. You know, the ones that you can find in a crack list kind of, kind of thing, the classifieds. Uh, or like uh, word of mouth tutors. These are the main like fragmented people and you can find them now uh, in Instagram, stuff like that. Uh, but at the end of the day, they're like competitors, but many of them also come to our platform to get more clients. So, so we, don't, we always try not to perceive them or talk to them as competitors, more like how can we collaborate with them? Uh, even, even after school places, we have at least two that came throughout the, throughout the years that they wanted to work with us. Like how they're, because we have like a booking, really good booking system that works. And we do all the, the administra administrative part. So they talk to us like, hey, can we do this together? And we're like, okay. In the world, there are like super big companies. Uh, uh, Ysand in the US, it's very good. That, that's one of the ones that when we started, uh, there was nothing in the region, but when we started there was Ysand. Uh, in the US. Were they present in Panama at no, that no. time? None of these big companies are in Latin America, none. Like Tutor.com, Varsity Tutors, the big ones in the US, not even the Asian ones. That There are like some unicorns in, in tutoring in Asia. None of them are in Latin America. So obviously that was one of the exit strategies for us. Right? Like, let's get big, let's get sexy, let's get bought, <laughs> you know, but I don't know, since, since Latin America is so fragmented, it's difficult for them to even look at us. Like, it's so many countries, small countries, different, like... Uh, Diverse cultures. Yeah, cultures, and, and some use pesos, and some use quetzales, and some use, you know, different... Uh, Operation costs for them would be too high. Yeah, so it makes sense if one, con one company has all the countries, it makes sense just to buy one. So that yeah. has always been our exit strategy in the tutoring side. But are you right now the only kind of consolidated platform for tutoring in Panama? In Panama, yes. Yeah, for many years. So what do you think your market share would be? It depends how you classify our niche, you know? If it's like tutoring in general, I wouldn't be able to say because you get a lot of, you know, fragmented tutors that make 100 here, 200 hours there, 20 hours here. So it's very, very difficult to, to know. With our first, like uh, assessments of the market when we just started, 
I think we're just scratching the surface yet. What do you think the total size of the market in Panama would be? The total tutoring market? 24, 25 million dollars maybe. It's so fragmented and people are even doing tutoring in the outside, you know, people are getting classes from other countries, other online. countries online. Not for math and stuff like that, but languages like English. Most of people like learn online English. Is tutoring right now profitable? Right now after the pandemic, no. We, well, yes, but no. You know, you can always be profitable if you don't pay the co-founders, no? If you don't pay the, <laughs> you, you can always play with So that. you're going to be the one who first sacrifice. Yeah, it is, it is what it is. So we, yes, we pay all the expenses, but seasonality happens. So we cannot pay uh, the co-founders that are working directly in the, in the, in the company. Uh, no, right now, no, but mo mostly because of the pandemic. To give you an example, well, we, we, we more or less came back down to zero in, in the first month, but right now we're still like in a 25% of what we used to do. 2022, we, we would like to have again, at least going back to the 130, 150. Okay. How big is the team now in Panama? We have two people in customer service. Uh, we have a de uh, developer that sometimes we have another developer, but at least that one developer. Um, and we have well, Alejandra, which is running the operations, and I'm running all the marketing right now. Are you right now um, considering raising any more capital or debt to, you know, to fuel your f future expansion of this franchise model? In this moment, per se, I would say no. Like right now, when we're talking, I don't know when you're going to be looking at this. No, because again, we have to go back to looking good, you know, looking get into a, like a, like a fast track again. Because when, when you go, and this is like a, a, a good tip for entrepreneurs, when you go like hungry, looking for money, investors and anyone would take advantage because it's like cheap investment because you need it. Our plans are, okay, let's consolidate our new vision. Let's try what we're, what we're trying uh, with our investment that we, we ourselves have we can do that 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 we are planning to do because we know that we can make the money back no and once we try this then we go with this package and start looking for money yeah maybe towards the end of this year of 2022 uh, we might be like interested in looking for an investment tutoring falls into the wider kind of education technology um, industry so would you mind sharing a little bit about your understanding of this field in the region in Latin America or Panama. 2021 was the biggest year for EdTech in the world. Like since, it doesn't matter what's pandemic or whatever, best year. And 2020 was not, not, was not bad. A lot of new technologies, a lot of new companies, a lot of companies that are consolidating more. However, in our region, in Latin America, we're always like lagging. We're always uh, behind, uh, not in the, sense of creation because I always say we have same bright minds that any other region. What um, holds a region back? The demand. Like people, the culture is more like cautious. Like people that want to try new things. Maybe generation, that generation that is buying right now, the older parents, they are not trying. They're not trying new things. So it's very difficult uh, in our region to adopt these new technologies in education. However, I see a lot of uh, young parents, you know, millennial parents, to try, 
for example, online classes, like uh, online school. I, th I think we're behind like maybe 10 years from Asia and from US and some part of Europe. Uh, eventually we'll come. We want to be there when it comes. We want to be the first ones. We want to be the bigger ones. In Asia, parents really are very nervous about children's education. They, s they are willing to pay a lot. What do you think is the attitude of the parents here in Latin America towards children's education? Are they willing to pay a high price tag for that? There are always parents that are willing to pay, and I'm going to talk specifically about Panama, which is a market that I'm more used to, not, not going to generalize right now. But Korea, for example. South Korea is the biggest spender in private tutoring in the world. And because they are so competitive and they want their children to go to the best schools, to graduate the best universities and get the best jobs. So they're willing to pay to be on top. Here in Panama, for example, you get a small percentage of parents that want that. Small percentage of parents that are looking 10 years about, uh, uh, like ahead and saying, I want my son, my daughter to be in an Ivy League university in the US or to study in Europe. But most of the parents say, I want my child to graduate. You know, not even to understand, to graduate. So that's good enough. Good enough. And that's very bad for education. That's really bad for uh, competitiveness in general in Panama. Like a, a, a child, a student that is good enough is not going to be able to compete with a child that is always looking forward to be the best, you know, ambitious. ambitious. So that's a problem as a country. What do you think is the reason behind such kind of mindset? That's a very philosophical, psychological question. Is culture related? I think it is culture related that it's not about comfort, but it's about we don't need, and like historically, we, we haven't had the necessity to be so competitive between each other. There's always been plenty of job. There's always been plenty of money out there in the street. Like having that canal is like a, a, a blessing and a, and a curse, you know? A blessing, you always have money. That can always bring money to the country. It's like your oil in the like Middle oil. East. Exactly, exactly. Not so much money like the Middle East, but still for a small country of 4 million, people, 4 million uh, you know, population, it is enough for people not to be worried, no? Uh, recent years, 2008, more or less, we got a lot of uh, international companies coming to Panama, so even more opportunities, but these companies realized that education level of Panamanians were not high enough, so the few that had this education, that had this competitiveness, got the jobs. If you have a lot of uh, employment, you have a lot of uh, money in the street, you, you don't need to be so competitive. When you have a country where there's very limited amount of good jobs, limited amount of, of money out there, you need to be top, you need to be top of the class. Uh, but I think it's changing because globalization is happening faster and faster and faster. I, I get so many Instagram ads of remote work, uh, which is great because now you can work out there, but it's not great when someone out there can work in your country and they don't even need to be here and they're much better than you are prepared, they're going to take away your job. They're gonna take away your job. So you need to be prepared, you need to be the best of the best. Again, I think we're lagging, and, but eventually it will, it will come. It will come the moment where Panamanians will say, you know what, I just need to be the best. I, it's not enough for me to get a passing grade. I need to be the best, top of the class, so I can get the best jobs. Do you have any vision for tutorists? Where it going to be in, let's say, five or ten years? 
Yes, I, it, it has changed a lot. You know like what a moonshot is? So this is a very good practice for if you're an entrepreneur because you, you can have always a vision, what, where am I going to be? But you always need to see like a moonshot, like, like the best scenario, like what do I really want? How do I like plan to go there? And we wanted to, to help one million students through personalized education, but really help, not passing grades. So this is like our moonshot. And we realized that it's not possible to do it just with tutoring. Obviously, it's not possible to do it just in Panama, not even just in Central America or the Caribbean. So when you have this moonshot, then you say, how do I fill in the blanks? How do I do that? What do I need to create? That's, how that's, do you get there? Exactly. That's why we decided, you know what? Tutoring, part of the business. What else? Okay, and now we're partnering with, I don't know if once you see this video, the partnering we have, partnering with someone, another company that is working with, uh, I don't know what's the translation, but it's like a neuronal, like, like a neural thing that you put in your head that helps you learn faster because it makes you help to concentrate better. So stuff like that, technology like that, that maybe we develop, maybe we partner, but at the end of the day, if it helps our mission, if it helps our, our moonshot, our, our vision, then let's do it, no? Apart from Tutores, um, you are also the director of innovation at City of Knowledge. So is this like an incubator or an accelerator? What are the difference between those two terms? Sometimes they can get quite confusing. It is, it is confusing and, and I would say people just like use them separately, it doesn't matter. We have our own term. So uh, let me tell you a small story before that. Mm -hmm. Back in 2015, the City of Knowledge created, they, they had like an, a, like an incubator for businesses, but it was something totally different, like a like space. And back in 2015, the City of Knowledge decided to open their first accelerator, which was aimed to help startups that already started to accelerate their process in Panama, okay? Like to scale in a small place, like in Panama, and then eventually outside, give them an, a small investment. So it's, it was a program. But the, the interesting thing is that the, in 2015, they invested in two companies. One of them was Tutorisi, Tutores. So I was the second startup that was invested and that went through the acceleration program in 2015. So we were very close. After that, I, I've been all, all, always like getting mentoring, but also like being a mentor and helping startups and being part of the program, like helping. How much was the funding that you received from this program back then? We received $25,000 in cash and $25,000 in office space program. So it helped us like two years office. It was a big office. It was great times, no? Did that require you to give out some sort of equity for that? Yes, we not, not right away. Uh, we signed like a convertible note back then, which basically means that you don't get the equity right now, but in a, an event, where you get a valuation, maybe next investment, maybe you just want to sell the company, then the convertible note has some terms, specific terms, a cap and a discount. Flash forward 2019, uh, they asked me like if I wanted to be the director of this accelerator incubator uh, in general, like the, the, the innovation center. And that's, that's where I decided to take like a, not, not like a backstage because I'm still working a lot into Dores, but now there's another CEO, which is my co-founder, Alejandra. Uh, just changed one letter, so it's easy for everyone to, to remember. And I started working here at the City of Knowledge, and we realized that we were needing another program before the acceleration program. 
So we decided to open an incubator. So what's the difference? Incubator, you get people that are maybe in an idea stage. Maybe they just launched and they have not sales uh, at all. So we help them like consolidate and be ready for them to try and to get a product market fit. And once they tried it, then they can move to an accelerator where we invest as well. What is the startup ecosystem like in uh, Panama? When, when I started back in 2015, I would say it was like a booming moment. Like a lot of people were starting companies. There was a lot of help like in terms of uh, subsidies. Actually, we received, by the time we received uh, uh, the $25,000 from Cialzar, actually 15 in general, we also applied for a grant and we received $25,000 from the Secretary of uh, Science and Technology in Panama. So it was like, you know, this amount of money, we get, we hire people, we, we push, that's why we grew a lot during this uh, second year. Uh, there was a lot of help during that time, so a lot of companies uh, came. But then, back 2017, 18, the ecosystem started seeing a lot of startups that were just uh, closing, and I could see the difference because I was, I was part of it. Um, the events were always the same people and all that. But now, I would say, maybe because of the pandemic, there's a lot of people that are starting their, their businesses, their startups, a lot of great ideas. Again, a lot of people, a lot of uh, investors and, you know, like entities of the government, like giving money again. So I would say this is an, a new boom. At the end of the day, what do you want as a country? You want reactivation of, obviously, health. But uh, uh, you want the reactivation of the economy. So how do we do that? We get people to generate employment. We get people to generate riches. You get people to generate uh, impact, value. So maybe I will give money to someone that generates value. So a lot of programs are coming. Uh, In difficult times, people tend to get more creative. Would you say how many like kind of um, entrepreneurs or founders they are part of this accelerator program in City of Knowledge? So the accelerator program is very small. We just accept between three or four and sometimes only two uh, because obviously there's a... Per year? Per or? year, per year, yeah. Obviously we're not so many here. Obviously there's a, a, a strain in the, in the money we can give. So we have invested and gone through the acceleration program, uh, 17 startups. But last year, we started for the first time our incubation program, and right there were 21 startups. And this year we're gonna do the same thing, and we, try to, we, wanna, we want to double the amount of people that go through the accelerator program, and at least 50% more into the incubation program. So our, our goals for this year are 30 in the incubation and five or six in the acceleration program. And that's us, no? There's other small programs, a Founders Institute as well, uh, for example, in, in Panama, other small incubators that are helping startups. No? But I would say, we, since we were the first ones, and we're more consolidated, we're like the epicenter, but we love to, 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 you know, to move the ecosystem. We don't want to be the only ones. Uh, we want to work together with the ecosystem. It's a small country, so. Where do the money come from? They come from the private investors or government in organizations? Yes, in your foundation. Uh, as a foundation, we're a non-for-profit foundation. It doesn't mean we don't get income. We have 120 hectares with 200 buildings that we rent to uh, different big companies. We have two uh, co-working places that we rent to startups. So with all that money, we pay for the sustainability of the city of knowledge, which is 120 hectares and we pay for the employees of the City of Knowledge, and we have a little bit of money that we can 
invest. Because that's the idea for the long term. You know, if we invested in 17 and two of them were like uh, growing and getting big, maybe we can get the money back. And going back to your, uh, the question of startups, uh, I don't know if, if you or anyone that is uh, listening or watching us uh, know about Y Combinator, which is the biggest incubator in the world. Yes. Not the biggest, maybe the most important uh, in California. Obviously, you have others that are very big as well. Uh, y Combinator has like the biggest names went through Y Combinator, like Airbnb went through Y Combinator. Uh, Do they have presence in Panama? Mm -hmm. Are there any Panama company that went through them? So that that's that's the story. Up to maybe one two years ago, but up to 2019, there were no Panamanian ones. Now there are three, and we're the only country in Central and Caribbean that has a company in Y Combinator. So it says four million per person. Uh, country with already three startups in Y Combinator. So, and that, that happened the last two, two, two and a half years. So I would say, and we invested in the three. Two of them we invested after they went to Y Combinator, so okay. And one of them before, so it's already good value for us. And we know that more of our startups will be there because we have bright uh, entrepreneurs that already have the mindset of not doing things for Panama, but doing things for the world. And that's the most important okay. thing, go big. Because Panama is a good testing place, uh, but it, it cannot be your market. And that's how, at the beginning I was like that, I was like, yeah, Panama, and then we're going to expand in other cities of Panama. So it took me a while to understand like, hey, no, 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 since the beginning, how do you jump out there? So it, it took me a while. So, but now the entrepreneurs come with that you know, ship, like let's start here, one year, one year and a half, boom, let's go big or go home. When you invest in those um, startups, entrepreneurs um, who are part of this um, accelerator incubator programs, what are usually the percentage of kind of equity or future equity you're getting out of it? We invest right now. We invest twenty-five thousand dollars in cash, and ten thousand dollars in things. You know, like we give them five thousand dollars for office space and five thousand dollars for the cost of the program, which comes with. Uh, high class, uh, high tier uh, mentors and the program that is four months, so $35,000. For that, we give you terms of up to $1.5 million cap, which means that if I am valued eventually uh, at $5 million, we enter at 1.5. So that helps us have like a cap, which basically means that we will be getting the, mo the, the, the least will be like three point something percent. And the most, it could be whatever. But obviously, we are not looking to get the most. We, what, what we're looking for is something between three and six point six percent maximum. Our ideal will be four or five percent for a startup that has like a, an evaluation. But obviously, startups that went through Y Combinator already and we, and we invested afterwards, they have their own terms. Once you're one combinator, you will get investment right away. They are big name. They are big name. We're not yet big name, uh, but at least in Panama, we are. Like people trust like, hey, you invested, see so I invested in your company, then I might invest in your company as well. You mentioned in another article of your interview that you think mentorship is really important for entrepreneurs. So why so? And would you be able to share your mentor story when you started Tutorist? 
So yeah, def definitely. Mentors are very important, and in all the in all the process, in all the stages that you are as an entrepreneur, uh, you need different types of mentor. If you're starting, you don't need like the Elon Musk mentor. You need someone that is beyond your stage that can help you with the stories, with whatever they went through that can help you. So, and when you get bigger, you get better and not better, but like more experienced, more seasoned mentors. So for us, it was, it was, it was great because when we started, uh, we started like after the first year, we started with the incubation, with the acceleration program of Ciudad Saber, and that right away gave us mentors from the Ciudad Saber that already went that already went through a process of with MIT, with Massachusetts, uh, the university, and these these mentors were really good and were really diverse. So we had one mentor, and the personalities, you know, one mentor that was. Very good in finance. He's a finance professor. He's he's an investor. He helped us in all the the, the finance thing. Another in, another mentor that has uh, a startup that is very successful in Panama. So went to the same things that we went through. And another another mentor that actually was one of the first ministers of the small and medium business in Panama, and is like a great marketing person. So like different kinds of mentors. Uh, but along the way, what I did was just approach other people uh, because because people and entrepreneurs or seasoned entrepreneurs, they have uh, different perspectives. And the idea of the mentorship is not that they will give you the answers, but they will give you their stories, their perspective, their ideas. And then you have to filter. It's your fault if you take things as it is. You have to take whatever works for you. And, and understand that it might not work be, just because it worked to them. And it's also very important in the other side as a mentor not to impose your own ideas. Uh, just because you went through something very similar doesn't mean that will help them the same. But I would say mentoring is super important. And also having someone, you know, someone that you can tell, like a psychologist, you know, someone that you can tell your story, like, hey, I'm Talk feeling, exactly, I'm feeling so alone. Yeah. It, it always helps. So mentorship, even peer mentorship is very important. You know, uh, that's, what, that's the important thing of being in a place where other entrepreneurs are. That's why we are trying to create even more spaces, more co-working. We already have two opening the next one uh, this year because it's important for other entrepreneurs to talk, to help each other, even, even if they're in the same, in the same level. No? And that's what we were talking about, the in-person versus online. No? I've done mentorship online, I've done mentorship in person as well. And you, you feel the difference. What are the current application process if someone wants to get into one of your incubation or accelerator program in City of Knowledge? More or less, with April, we opened the incubation pro program. Uh, anyone can apply as long as they are either living in Panama, you can be whatever country, you don't need to have even a company, but living in Panama, or you're a Panamanian living outside that can eventually open a company in Panama. So you open that in April, people apply, we start a program, three months program for the incubation. Why we do it this way and not at the same time? Because we want the incubation program to be, to feed our acceleration program. So in August, more or less, we open for the acceleration program and then anyone can apply. Obviously that ones that went through the incubation program have an advantage because they already know how things work, they're already prepared but you, we can always get someone from the outside that is really, really good, no? 
So that opens more or less in August, and then in October it starts the four-month acceleration program. We, we do our investments in two parts. Uh, and that, yeah, that's it. Basically, anyone that wants to apply can come. If you were to give three advices for future founders and aspiring entrepreneurs about the lessons that you, ha you have learned through your journey, what would that be? Well, the first one, and I think this is a lesson that you will hear from everyone, is you need to solve a problem. I have so many people that come here and say like, hey, I have an idea. Like, no, I don't want to hear about your idea. I want to hear about the problem that you're solving to someone. That's the first thing. The second thing is that you are not, unless you want to be a, like a social person, but you're doing this to make it sustainable. So it needs to have a business model. So you need to, to think about what is the best business model to solve that problem. And this can take time. You cannot copy, you cannot just say, I'm going to be the Uber off or the Airbnb off or the Netflix off. It might not work for you and you have to test it. And the third one, I would say, get ask for help. You, know, you cannot do it by yourself. Either co-founders, either mentors, either an incubation program, either an accelerator. But you, if you want to do it by yourself, you're not going to get very far. So ask for help. It's okay to ask for help. And you will be surprised of how many people just approach me in my Instagram, random people like, hey, can I tell you about my idea? Can we? And most of the times I do it. Sometimes I don't have the time, but you can approach mostly anyone. And, anyone, and, and, and entrepreneurs like to help each other. So. And a fourth one, be perseverant. You know, things will get hard, things will be, get difficult very fast, but you need to be perseverant. You just fail when you stop. Yeah, because having mistakes is not failing. Having mistakes is, is learning that that thing was not the, the right way. Just need to pivot, change. Entrepreneurship is hard. This kind of lifestyle is not for everyone. Okay, thanks for being here. Thanks for accepting my interview and thanks for all your advices and the sharing sessions. I'm sure the entrepreneurs and the startup founders out there will be very much appreciative for that. Thank you very much, Carol. It's been a pleasure.